If you have your Bible this morning, we're turning to the book of Deuteronomy and to the second chapter, please, Deuteronomy and to chapter 2. And whenever you find the place, just uh, leave your Bible open there and we'll be looking at a few verses uh, in a moment or two uh, from this wonderful chapter, chapter 2 of the book of Deuteronomy. Father, we bow before thee again and we come, Lord, to your word this morning and we ask, O gracious Father, that thou will come We pray for the authority of your word of God to be let loose this morning. We pray that the Holy Spirit will come. We pray for that infilling, that fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost and of power. So, Lord, we take that delegated authority this morning over every force of the enemy and we come against them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every influence, Lord, of darkness, We come against them and we bind the powers of Satan. And we pray, Lord, this morning that thou will come and release your word to every one of us, Lord. We stand with expectation in our heart. And so, Lord, I give myself to thee. Pray, Lord, that you will come and cleanse and sanctify and fill. Lord, your word this morning would be like a barb in every one of our hearts that we would not, Lord, be able to shake loose of what you would have to say Say to us, O Lord, shut us in, Lord. Remove every distraction, O Father. Remove every thought, Lord, that would steal us away from your word. And Father, we ask this morning, O God, give us ears to hear what thou hast to say to us. We ask it in the Savior's precious and worthy name. Amen. Amen. In Deuteronomy, in chapter 2, I trust it is open uh, before you this morning. 300... And 65 days ago, in the very same place, and at the very same time, I stood on this platform, and I commenced that message with a poem. It was the poem of a young man named Charles. He was saved as a young man, and for many years he backslid, and then he was brought back again through the ministry of D.L. Moody. He was a graduate of Eton. He was that man that turned out to be a real missionary statesman. The man that we know as C.T. Studd. That poem that I commenced with was the well-known poem, Only One Life, Twill Soon Be Past. Only what's done for Christ will last. And while I'm dying, oh, how glad I will be if the lamp of my life has been burnt out for thee. 365 days have gone since then. And as we stand at the end of 2023, and as we stand on the threshold of 2024, with all of the expectation, I'm sure, in our heart, and even anticipation, it's good just this morning for a moment or two to stop and have a little time of evaluation. You know, the month January was named after a Roman god. He was named Janus. He had two faces, one that looked backwards, the other that looked forward. And that's exactly what happens here in the book of Deuteronomy. Because Moses, this old man of God, he's 120 years of age. 
And he's been leading and guiding and instructing the people of God through the wilderness. And it comes to his last sermon. The last time that Moses stands to his feet. And he addresses over one and a half million men and women. The book of Deuteronomy is known as the book of remembrance. Fourteen times you get the word remember. 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 And just before the children of Israel, they go over the Jordan. And just before they go to possess the land that flows with milk and honey, God calls his people to remember. And I'm sure this morning that before we can embrace the future, every one of us here this morning would need to remind ourselves of the past. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, there's some things that God would want you to remember. He would want you to remember, remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. Because God is the God that requireth the past. The psalmist said to remember how short my time is. And then, of course, to the unsaved this morning, there was a moment in the life of the Lord Jesus when he just turned round to the unsaved men and women of his day, and just like a flash, he said, remember Lot's wife. Those are things that you'll need to remember this morning if you're not saved. And I don't know how you can go through another year not knowing peace with God. I don't know how you could stand at the end of this year and go into a new year without the assurance in your heart that all is well with your soul between thee and God. I don't know how you can do that. And then, of course, there's times in the Bible whenever the people of God are called to remember. And way back in Isaiah 51, it says we ought to remember the rock from whence we have been hewn. And we ought to remember the hole of the pit from whence we have been dug. Do you know, my dear people, this morning, those of us that are saved, it's good to remember where God has brought us from. Good to remember the chains that he has snapped. Good to remember the change that he has made in our life. Good to remember the mercy and the goodness of God. In Psalm 105 it says, Remember the marvelous works of God. That's exactly what Moses starts to do here with the people of God. He starts to remind them, first of all, about the Lord. And these chapters from chapter 5 right through to the 30th chapter of Deuteronomy, you know what Moses reminds these people about? He reminds them about the Word of God from chapter 5 right through to chapter 30. The book of Deuteronomy, the word Deuteronomy means repetition. It means a second copy. And what Moses was doing here in his last dying breath as he stood to his feet for the last time, and as he looked at these men and women that he loved, and he started to address them, the first thing that he reminded them of was the Word of God. 
And my dear people, that's a wonderful thing to remind ourselves about this morning as we stand at the last day of 2023. Remind ourselves of the promises that God has given. Remind ourselves of those times and the trials and we were at wit's end corner and our hearts were heavy and our souls were broken and suddenly you get down to read with the little bit of strength that you had and God give you a word. It's good to remember that. Remember the word. It's good not only to remember the word, it's good to read it. It's good to recite it. And in the year that comes ahead, I trust that every one of us will respond to it. You know, in the last 365 days, there's been over 120 sermons that have been preached from this pulpit. 120 times where we've gathered with one another and we've come into the house of God with our Bible and we have sat and we have heard the word of the living God. Sometimes it cut deep. Sometimes it just met us at the very point of our need. Sometimes it encouraged us. Sometimes it provoked us. Sometimes it stirred us. Sometimes maybe even it angered us. But oh, thank God the word came to our heart. He not only reminded these people about God's word. Look at, look at verse, verse number 7. He reminded them about God's grace. He said, For the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. That word bless there is the word to abundantly bless. It's the word to bless without a measure. And here Moses starts to remind these people, look at it again, For the Lord thy God hath blessed thee in all the works of thy hand. Now mind you this, for 40 years they were in unbelief. 40 years they were still wandering around the wilderness and her brother Bertie prayed it the other night, Lord, you bless our very blunders. That's what God had done here. And you know, as we look back this morning over the last 365 days, I can tell you again and again and again, God has blessed us. And I'm sure we could stand this morning as that little woman Ruth. And as she looked into the eyes of her king's man, Redeemer, she said, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou should take knowledge of me? Amazing grace. That's what this is. Amazing grace that has brought us through the past. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. Look at verse 7 again, because he not only reminds them about God's word and God's grace, he reminds them about God's presence. He knoweth thy walking through this great wilderness. He knows. And only God knows this morning the path that you and I have trodden in the last year behind the smile, behind the exterior. God knows the way through the wilderness these 40 years the Lord thy God hath been with thee. I tell you, my dear people, he's been with us. The Bible says, and Paul said, if God be for us, who can be against us? 
And then, of course, you remember Paul, whenever he was writing to the believers at Corinth, he said, not only is God for us, he said, God is in us because we're the temple of the Holy Ghost. But I think he's with us. I think that's lovely. The Lord is with us. You know, whenever John Wesley, that firebrand, came to die, as he lay on his deathbed, that's just what he cried. One of the last statements that he ever uttered was this, Best of all, God is with us. I thank God this morning we can testify to that. Being with us in the valley, yes. Being with us on the mountaintop, yes. Being with us in the battle, yes. Being with us in the times of trial and in the times of tears and in the times of storm and in the time of sickness, yes, God has been with us. He's been with us. One of the wonderful texts we could preach on this morning is that text in the seventh chapter of 1 Samuel, Ebenezer, God has helped us. He's helped us. And that's what Moses starts to do with these dear people. He not only reminds them about God's Word and God's grace and God's presence. Look at verse 7 again. For thou hast lacked nothing. God's provision. The provision of God. And you know, I was just walking last night and I was thanking God for every bill in our house that He has paid. Every meal that He's put on the table. Every piece of clothing He's put on our back. My, even for this house here and the work that's going out the back, thank God, God is a God of provision. You remember whenever the Lord Jesus stood in the upper room and he was standing talking to his disciples just before they sang the hymn and went out through the door, he turned to them and he asked them a question. He said, when I sent you out without purse or shoes or script, did you lack anything? And it's one of the one-word responses that the disciples gave to the Lord. You know what they said? Nothing. Nothing. We have lacked nothing. And my dear people, this morning in a world that's dying with starvation, men and women this morning that at the end of their tether, I'm sure every one of us can say this morning, Lord, you have not only been with us, but Lord, you've provided for us. We have lacked nothing in the days that have gone past. The psalmist said in Psalm 65, Thou crownest the year with thy goodness. And that's what he's done. He has blessed us. I tell you for the souls that he's saved here, for the men and women that have been restored, for the blessings of God and being in the company of the people of God. Oh, I can tell you, my dear people, God has been good to us. He's been good to us. But Moses not only reminds these people about God, he reminds them about themselves. And it's good not only to remember what God has done, remember His Word to us and His grace upon us and His provision for us, but he starts to remind them about themselves. Look at chapter 1 for a moment. And verse 6. It says, The Lord thy God spake unto us in Horeb. Now you remember it says in chapter 19 of the book of Exodus that it was in Horeb where God came down. 
He reminds them about the encounter that they had with God. And these people start to remind themselves of the time whenever they gathered round the Mount Horeb. And you'll remember how God came down and started to communicate to them. And you know what's a wonderful thing this morning as we would look back is to remember the encounters that we've had with God. I can look at times in the year that has gone by in my own life. Sometimes it's been standing in the house. Sometimes it's been kneeling in prayer. Sometimes it's been out walking the street talking to God. And suddenly there's a fresh encounter. Times in the presence of God is real. Times where we hear His voice unlike any other time. He reminds them about their behavior. Look at verse 26. Notwithstanding ye would not go up, but rebelled against the Lord. He reminded them not only about the encounter that they had, but he reminded them about the behavior that they showed. These people, for 40 years, they rebelled against God's precepts. That word is there to bitterly oppose. And maybe there's someone here this morning and you've heard the messages that have gone by in the year. And there's times whenever the servant of God stands in this pulpit and the authority of God is upon them and he opens the word of God and he starts to speak and it's like the unseen sword of the word goes right into the heart. And sometimes we can rebel against that. That's what these people did here. They rebelled against God's precepts. Look at verse 27. They murmured against God's person. Now Moses is starting to remind them. He's reminding them about their own behavior in the last years. Now I want to ask you a question this morning. Did you murmur in the last year? Because these people didn't murmur about Moses... They murmured about God. The word is here, they grumbled. And every one of us, I'm sure, can identify with that. Lord, what is it that you're doing? Lord, why have you not saved my boy? Lord, why is it you haven't changed that situation? Lord, why have you not lifted the burden? Lord, do you even know what you're doing? And these people were reminded about their rebellion against God and their murmuring against his person. But it didn't stop there. Moses went on. Look at verse 28. Because they not only rebelled against God's precepts and they not only murmured against God's person, they discouraged God's people. Look at verse 28. Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our heart. And you know, my dear people, this morning, I trust that every one of us, we have a ministry of encouragement. There's at least one man here this morning, and I know him very well, and the prayer of his heart has been for years that God would give him the ministry of encouragement. And God has done that. And I trust in the year that you and I have before us, as we see 2024, that you and I, we don't fall foul of these things that these people did so many years ago, that we would not rebel against God's Word. 
that we would not murmur against God's person and we would not discourage God's people. Now, there's one more thing that they did. And you'll get it in verse 32. They doubted God's promise. Because in verse 32 it says, And yet in all this thing ye did not believe the Lord your God. And oh, I can tell you, my dear individuals this morning that are before us, there's times whenever in our own lives God has said, go here, go there, do this, do that. And we've got the promise of God and we've got the word of God, but because of an evil heart of unbelief, we never stepped out and did the thing in the last year God wanted us to do. You know, that's what men and women are saying about this building behind. God will never finish it. The bills will never be paid. And I have only one response to an individual like that this morning, and it was the words of a man of God in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. And the wind was howling, and the, the sky was black for 14 days and nights. And Paul stood in the ship in the midst of the Mediterranean, and he said this, Be of good cheer, for I believe God. I believe Him. And he said, I believe God that it shall be even as He has said. It doesn't really matter what you say. It doesn't even matter what I say. Thank God it only matters what He says. And my dear men and women this morning, if there's as much as a grain or a gram of unbelief in your heart, ask God the Holy Ghost to purge it from you. Ask Him to give you faith. Now, He not only talked to them about their past encounter and their past behavior, there's one other thing. And this may be something that you wouldn't think that we should think about this morning. It's maybe something that you would maybe and I would like to overlook. But he talked to them about past failure. You see, you take time whenever you go home from verse 41 to verse 46 of chapter 1. The children of Israel, whenever they didn't believe God and they didn't cross Jordan when God told them to, they said of themselves, then now we will go over. Well, we will do it. Once they knew that God was unhappy with them, they just turned about and they said, well, we'll do it now. They just reneged and we will do it. And they went up and they fought against the Ammonites and they, they came against them. And look in verse 43, it says there, they went up presumptuously into the hill. The word is there, they went arrogantly. They did something and God wasn't in it. Now, I want that to sink in this morning. You look there for a moment at verse 42. In the midst of the verse, it says, For I am not among you. And Moses starts to remind these people about the things that they did, and God wasn't in it. I tell you, my dear people, as you and I evaluate the past, you remember the words of criticism that we shared with people? And God wasn't in it. You remember maybe the word of gossip and God wasn't in it. You remember maybe even having some great exhibition to promote ourselves and launch out and do this thing for God or do that thing for God. But God wasn't in it. 
And there was this massive failure. Look at verse 44. And the Ammonites which dwelt in the mountain came out against you and chased you as bees and destroyed you. Look at verse 45. And ye returned and wept before the Lord, but the Lord would not hearken unto your voice. I tell you, that's a, that's a catastrophe. Whenever they moved, whenever God told them not to move. You know, there's two dangers in the Christian life. The first one is to be too rash. The second one is to be too reluctant. The first one is to be too swift. The other is to be too slow. The first one is to be too complacent. The second one is to be too impatient. You know, my dear people, this morning the reason why Moses stood and he started to remind these people of the past, as one historian said so many years ago, those who do not remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Now just let your mind look back over the last year. And has there been times in your life when you and I have failed because... We have jumped the gun. Is there times whenever you and I have failed because of doing something on our own initiative and God wasn't in it and you know it and I know it? Moses knew. And these people knew. Now look at chapter 2 and verse 1. Then, after they were reminded about their encounter, after they were reminded about their behavior, after they were reminded even about their failure, then, then we turned and took our journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spake unto me, and we compassed Mount Seir many days. You see that word compassed there? It's the word to revolve around. In Isaiah 28, it's the word that is used of a wheel that just turns. Just going round in motion, but monotony. It's the same word that is used of the children of Israel when eventually they did cross over the Jordan. And they came to Jericho and they just walked around the walls again and again and again. There was no progress. Because of their past failure, as they stood on the banks of the Jordan, they just turned round again, and for 38 years, they went round one mountain, Mount Seir. You see this Mount Seir here? It's a mountain range that runs from the south of the Dead Sea right down to the borders of Egypt. It did not belong to the people of God. It belonged to the Edomites. You'll get that in verse 5 where God wouldn't even give them as much as a foot breadth on the mountain. And here was a multitude of men and women, and they were walking round and round and round for 38 long years around something that didn't belong to them. And you know, my dear people, this morning, there's many of us are walking around experiences of other men, second-hand experiences but they don't belong to us. There's some of us will latch on to another man or another woman's promise 
And we'll walk around it for years. But God hasn't given it to us. And here was these people. They still had the altar. They still had the tabernacle. They still had the priesthood. They still had the cloud by day, the fire by night, and the water from the rock, and the manna from heaven. But that's all that they had. They had nothing new. No new victories for 38 years. No new ground possessed for 38 long years. No new knowledge of God. No new experience of his majesty or of his power. For 38 years they got up and they, apt and they slept and they walked and they journeyed and they went round and round like the, like the arms on a clock. And they seemed to be content. They seemed to be happy with that. And my dear people this morning, thank God for the meetings that we have had. Thank God for the blessings that we have had. But I can tell you here from the authority of the Word of God and from the eldership here that we are not just happy with meetings. We're not just happy with good crowds and we're not just happy with a good word. I tell you, God has put something in the heart of the leadership of this assembly that we want to get more from God. We want to gain ground. We want to gain ground that we didn't gain in the past year. We want to gain experiences of victories and of blessing that we didn't get in the past year. And I trust that's in your own heart. Oh God, don't let 2024 be like 2023. Someone has said it is a blessed thing to be saved. And so it is. But it's a miserable thing if you never get beyond that. And maybe there's someone here this morning and you are saved and thank God for that. My, that moment whenever the dungeon flamed with light, my chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose, went forth and followed thee. Thank God for the moment of salvation and redemption and regeneration. But oh, I wonder, have you moved on from that? I wonder, has there new ground been claimed? I wonder, are you living on the experiences of another man or woman? I wonder, are you feeding on a second-hand word? These men and women were no good to God where they were. Look at verse 2. And the Lord spake unto me. And thank God while they seemed to be content where they were, thank God that he wasn't content. And he starts to speak to them again, and the Lord spake unto me, saying, Ye, you. And I wonder, as I stand in this pulpit this morning, could I put the arrow in the bow, and put it my, and pull it at a venture, and say to some brother or some sister here, God wants to talk to you. You. And maybe I could put the, string, the arrow in the bow, and pull the string at a venture on this side, and point to you tonight and this morning and say, Sir, Madam, God wants to speak to you. God's talking to you now. Ye have compassed, the word is revolved, this mountain long enough. Turn you northward. 
You see that word long enough there? It's the word too long. It's the word here a long time. And my dear people, I would feel in my own heart this morning, there's those of us here, God wants you to gain new ground. Because you have been on the same ground for too long. The same ground in prayer for too long. The same ground in intimacy with God for too long. Turn. Turn northward. What was happening here? Well, I can tell you what was happening. What Moses was speaking about later in Deuteronomy 32 and 11, he talked about the eagle that was stirring the nest. And the eagle puts its talons into the side of the nest and my breaks up all of those little twigs that have been woven together and the little eaglets are warm and they're comfortable but suddenly the mother will swoop down and she'll put her talons into the nest and she'll break the nest and the little sticks will be uncomfortable for the little chicks and he, she does that so that they would move out for God. And I trust this morning that the talons go into every one of her nests. There is a time for change. There's some things that will never change. This old book will never change. God's standard will never change. The principles for the local assembly will never change. And every one of us preacher included, maybe more than you this morning, don't like change. We get comfortable, we get, as it were, at ease in Zion. And here God wanted to do a new thing. He wanted to bring them into new ground. Oh, my dear people, you'll remember how in Isaiah 43, it says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You see there where it says in verse 3, Ye have come past this mountain long enough, turn you. Well, the real rendering of that for our English today would be this. You do the turning. You start the turn. I wonder this morning, is God saying to you and I, it's time to turn, sir. It's time to turn. You do the turning and I'll do the blessing. You do the turning and I'll do the guiding. You do the turning. This was a call to a new direction. It was a call to new obedience. And it was a call to a new experience because as you read on at the end of this chapter, they gained more victories in the next number of weeks than they did in the last 38 years. And if you and I are willing to turn when God says turn, and if you and I are willing to go when God says go, and if you and I are willing to stop when God says stop, I tell you he'll bless. What Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 3 is to the Old Testament. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13 is to the New. And Paul, the old man of God, he says to the believers at Philippi, he says to the brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, 
forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark. Oh, I tell you, my dear people, if I could burn that into your heart this morning, that God wants us to turn. Turn out of our apathy. Turn out of our laziness. Turn away from everything that would dampen the fire in our heart and turn away from what doesn't belong to us and what God doesn't even want to give us and turn in the direction that he wants us to go. These mountains of Seir, and with this I close, was a mountain range. It was a long mountain range. And as I have said, from the southerly tip of the Dead Sea right down to the top of the border of Egypt, this mountain peak was a barrier to blessing. It was something that these people went round, but they never gained it. And I trust this morning that there's things maybe in your life or mine, and as we look back in the last year and we say, Lord, that mountain hindered my service. That mountain, Lord, has stifled my testimony. That mountain, Lord, has dampened my experience with God. And if you're here and you're like that this morning, I want to say what God says. You do the turning and he'll do the rest. He'll bless you. And all I want to do now is lift out some mountains from the mountain range of Seir. Some mountain peaks that these men and women for 38 years, they went round and they went round and they were hindered from going on and which you this morning and even I could be going round and because of these mountain peaks we never get through with God. The first mountain peak is this, this the mountain peak of secret sin. And you could be here this morning and you look like a Christian and you sound like a Christian and maybe you even are a Christian. But there's a mountain of secret sin hidden from view from everyone else and you've gone round it again and again and again. And God would say you've gone round it long enough. Long enough. That's where Abraham was. Because in Genesis chapter 16, Abraham, you remember, he jumped the gun and he lay with Hagar. And there was a young man by the name of Ishmael was born. For 13 years, he kept it to himself. And for 13 years, he never heard the voice of God. And in chapter 17, the Bible says, And God spake unto Abraham. You know what was happening God started to say to Abram, you've been like this too long. It's been a secret long enough. You've walked around the secret mountain of sin far too long, sir. Stephen Alford tells a story of him sitting in the study one, one afternoon. And there was a knock at the door and there was a young preacher came and came into his study. And he started to ask the man of God, Stephen Alford, for prayer. And then he started to say to him, said, Sir, I'm going blind. And Stephen Alford said he knew that there was something not right. And he asked him, and he said, Tell me this, why is it you're going blind? And the young man started to weep, and he started to convulse. 
And after a number of moments, a long time maybe, I don't know, he started to lift his head and he said, Sir, there was nights whenever I used to be before God. And then there came a moment whenever I used to go for a walk into the town. And then there came a moment whenever I got involved in secret sin. And he said, Sir, the disease that I got because of that secret thing is going to make me go blind. Long enough, too long. You have harbored it for too long. You see, that was the word that Paul said in Hebrews. He said, lay aside every weight and the sins, the known sins, that does so easily beset us. That word is the word to encircle. They come around us, and then what they do, they ensnare us, and then they enslave us. And maybe there's someone here this morning, and sir, you've been flirting with your sin for too long. And now the Holy Ghost is putting his finger on it. And he would say, it's time to turn. Time to turn. There's another mountain peak, and it can hold you and I back. In the year that is to come, and it maybe has held you back for a long time. And it's the mountain peak of past failure. Whenever you let the Lord down and you stepped out to do something for God and it fell like a lead balloon at your feet and men and women laughed at you and men and women said obviously it wasn't of God but it's stopping you now from taking the step and going out in obedience again. That's where Moses was. Because he was the impetuant man. He stepped out. My, whenever he slew the Egyptian... And for 40 years, I'm sure every day, the failure went round in his mind. Would to God I hadn't have done that thing. Would to God I should have just waited. And he stepped out and he jumped the gun and he made a mess of it. And whenever God spoke to him in Exodus chapter 3, you'll remember what Moses said, Who am I? Who am I? I'm a failure. And for 40 years out in the backside of the wilderness, he looked after his father-in-law's sheep. But there came a moment at the bottom of Mount Horeb where God says, you've been there too long. Turn. I'm sure Samson could have been there. I'm sure Peter could have been there. What about the mountain of a wounded heart? Anybody here with a wounded heart? That word of criticism. That word of slander. That word of ridicule. That word of rejection. And you tried to serve God and do your best for God and someone made a fool of you. And laughed at you. And the rejection in your heart and you say, Oh God, I'm not going to do anything else. I'm just going to sit and do nothing. You know, there's one thing I hear more than any other. You know what it is? Oh, now I'm not going to become a member of a church because I was hurt in the last place that I was at. You know what that is? That's a mountain. That's a mountain. And it's a mountain that's stopping you from going on. And I know the scars can be deep. I know that. And I know, I tell you, I know the things can come against us from other believers can be fierce. But you've went round that mountain, dear, long enough. 
you need to turn. I think that's where Elijah was whenever he heard the accusations of Jezebel. He went out into the wilderness and he wanted to die, but God had more for him to do. And under the juniper tree, the angel came and touched him. And you know what was happening? God was saying, Elijah, you've been here too long. Get up. Whenever we were in England, a number of months ago with Charlotte and little Emily, we stood at the front of Richard Baxter's house, that great Puritan, that man of God, and we got the photograph taken in front of the door. But you know, Richard Baxter was mightily used by God, and in the town where he was born, there was a young woman that got pregnant. And she went to the local priest and she said, what should I do? You know what he told her to do? He said, tell everybody that Richard Baxter did it. Tell everybody that this child is an offspring of the man of God. And it broke his heart. And Richard Baxter died of a broken heart. Because the wounds and the accusations of the enemy was more than he could bear. And whenever Richard Baxter died, it came out that it wasn't him. You know who it was? It was the priest. He had a wounded heart. And Jeremiah got there. And he said, I will not mention of, make mention of him or speak in his name anymore. Now, I left out the last one for you. And this is something I'm sure that every one of us can identify with is the mountain of Christian complacency. Times whenever the fire seems to go out, seems to be that the word is dry and oh, our experience with God has almost gone to a little flicker and we have no real burden for souls, no real concern for a dying world. No real concern for men that we work with or people that we live near. And my, you know what God would say to every one of us as he'd said to me, you've gone round that mountain too long. It's been too long since I've seen some of you in the prayer meeting. In fact, there's some of you here and I've never seen you in the prayer meeting. It's been too long. There's some of you here, and I say this from my heart this morning, it's been a long time since some of you parents have prayed in a prayer meeting. It's too long. It's too long. And I know we have burdens. I know all that. I'm not here to whip you. I'm not here to lash you. But if you can come tonight, come. And if you can come on Wednesday night, you come. Even if it's for 15 minutes, I'd be glad to see you. Come. I tell you, that old mountain of complacency is a hard one to break because it says of the children of Moab that they had settled on their lees and they had not been emptied from vessel to vessel and whenever Deborah and Barak went out against the enemy, it says that Zebulun and Naphtali, they jeopardized their life even unto death. But Dan and Asher and Reuben, they came not to the battle. Is it any but wonder that Moses in his dying breath, you know what he said? Oh God, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Are you going to go through this year like last year? No prayer meeting, no table, no gospel meeting. Come to one meeting a week. 
My dear people, you're worth more than that. You can do more than that. We need you. And I'm asking you this morning that you'd make a new dedication to God, a new direction, yes, Lord. A new obedience, yes, Lord. A new experience, yes, Lord. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, its hopes, and its fears. But only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, Thy will be done. And when at last I hear the call, I know I'll say it was worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let us pray. Whatever God has said to our heart this morning, may we take it as from the Lord. And while these people were content to be where they were, God didn't want them to stay there. He had more for them. And my dear people, this morning, God is more for you than where you are. But he wants you and I to turn. The first step lay with these people, and the first step lies with you and me. And would to God we would respond. Father, we bow before thee this morning. And we thank thee, Lord, for thy mercy, thy blessing, and thy provision. We thank thee, Lord, in the midst of all that we were in the past year. We thank you, Lord, that you have more for us in the year that is to come. And we ask in Jesus' name over every head that is bowed in thy presence this morning that we will rise to the challenge and obey the call and, Lord, respond to the command to turn and go northward and enter into the land. And they turned from the Mount Seir and they went towards Mount Zion, went towards Moriah. And we thank you for that hill of Calvary. Thank you for the one Lord that didn't deviate. Thank you for the one Lord that set his face as a flint to go towards Jerusalem. Thank you for the Son of God, Lord, that climbed the lowly side of Mount Calvary. We thank you for the one that defeated death and hell and sin in the grave. And Lord, we want to in the year that lies ahead enter into all that he has purchased on our behalf. Bless these dear people, Lord. May the word of God be like a barb in our heart that will not shake loose, Lord, until we yield, until we comply with what you have said to us. The past encounters, yes. The past, Lord, behavior that needs to change, maybe yes. Oh, God, the past failures that need to be forgotten. We pray all of these things in the Savior's precious and worthy name. Amen.